interest and you're listening to He Said, She Said, the one with books and bros. If you listened to our last episode, you know already how much I love a fall. Part of the reason for this is the many opportunities fall offers for us to get dressed up. I love to play dress up and great thought goes into the multiple costumes that will be needed each year in this season. Being a teacher only means more costumes. It's a big perk of the job. I particularly like to dress up as various villains, and the year I dressed as Corella DeVille, Chase, you remember Chase, he's been a guest on the podcast. If you don't remember him because you haven't heard that, for sure go give that episode a listen. Chase and I had a long talk about that whole thing that I have, and he asked me why I always dress as the villain, and I told him I just don't think I'm believable as a princess. I think it obvious that I would make a better Ursula than Ariel. I can't pass for a princess. The lecture which ensued was long. I cannot remember every word of it, but I remember exactly how it made me feel. Not reprimanded or chastised, though he was definitely doing both, but believed in and known and loved. And when we hung up the phone, I was almost convinced that I could be anything I wanted to be. It's been years since this conversation, and each year I think about it, and each year I warm up more to the idea of passing for a princess. This is the year that it's happening. I sat on the phone with Brie, whom you should also remember from her episode on the podcast, and I said for Rhett's very first Halloween, I would be a princess for the very first time, and we could experience new things together. Which one, though? Belle with her books was an obvious choice, but that's not where we landed. We've landed on human form Ariel. After she's left the sea and they're having that glorious day experiencing human life and exploring the city, you know where they're in the boat and kiss the girl plays. The finishing pieces of the costume arrived on Sunday, actually, and I put them on for my mini BFF, Madeline. She said, oh, Melly, you're Ariel. This is the litmus test of any costume, by the way, if people know who you are without having to be told. She was also super pumped because Ariel is a great fave of ours. I love music. I love water. I still love Prince Eric far more than any other Disney prince. Like, far more. At this point, This episode was meant to turn into much more of a feminist-sounding rant, I'll be honest with you. And while it is ill-advised to throw away our lives in the pursuit of oblivious men who don't know we exist and will not clue in until the credits roll, if ever, that's not where this is meant to go today. Let me recap this story for you. Ariel is a mermaid, and she has a great fascination with all things above the shore. And one night, she goes up and sees this boat, and Eric is there, and he's playing his flute, and he's loving his dog, and he's out in the open sea, and she is absolutely smitten. A big storm brews and breaks, and she ends up saving his life. After this encounter, and another unfortunate disagreement with her father, she has to have this man. She has got to have this man in her life, but it seems absolutely impossible. She strikes a bargain with a sea witch. If she can get Eric to fall in love with her in three days' time, she will live happily ever after. If not, the sea witch will possess her soul. Added complication. The sea witch takes her voice. This is important because Eric keeps thinking about the girl who saved him from drowning, but remembers that her voice, just remembers her voice far more than her face. No terms are too complicated, and Ariel agrees. She grows legs, gets to land, and is rescued by Prince Eric, who is inexplicably drawn to her, but she doesn't fit his idea of what he wanted in his head, so the rest of the story we have to cross our fingers that the intense gravitational pull of what's going on in his heart will override whatever other mess is going on with the rest of him. The Disney movie ends happily at the last minute. This is not the case with Hans Christian Andersen's original tale. In that version, Eric picks someone else. The Little Mermaid sisters come to her. They've struck a new bargain. If she'll go and kill Prince Eric, who at this point kind of sounds like he might deserve it, then she will live. 
she stands over him and he sleep as you know he's sleeping next to his new bride and she raises the knife but she just can't bring herself to follow through so she throws herself off the boat and turns into sea foam the story ends with a devastated eric looking for her everywhere he didn't choose her but he falls to absolute pieces at the thought of living without her dear eric what is wrong with you sincerely all of us you wouldn't think that this story has anything to do with Elijah and Elisha, but it does. First Kings 19, 19 through 21 says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, maybe. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Elisha is so committed. He leaves his entire life behind. So committed that he slaughters his source of income and cooks it for dinner on what used to be the tools of his livelihood. And he feeds his people dinner and says goodbye to them forever. I've got to have this. I do not care what it costs. I do not care what it takes. I don't care if it's successful. I have found a love greater than myself and I have got to at least try. That's the philosophy there. Sounds a lot like The Little Mermaid to me. Sometimes I really am Ariel. And sometimes I'm Eric. Sometimes no matter the great pull of gravity that keeps calling me. I choose anything else than what I should be focused on. I choose anyone else than who I should be looking at. I choose anything else than what I'm supposed to be doing to my own detriment. Elijah and Elisha are so prominent in my mind because we're talking about them in fifth grade. And yesterday, the story began with Elijah and he's in the desert and he's just had all those victories right you know he has gone to the king and he said there won't be rain and there's not rain for years and he's lived by a brook and ravens have brought him food and then when the brook dries up he's gone he's found this widow woman and she gives him the last of her oil and flour but the oil and flour never run out they're just provided for over and over again and then her son dies and he prays and her son's raised to life and then he goes and finds Ahab and they have this big showdown with all the prophets of Baal and despite the trench that he digs around the altar and fills it with water and how many buckets of water they pour on top of the altar he prays a simple prayer and fire falls from heaven and consumes the sacrifice and the altar and all the water that was poured on it and then all the prophets of Baal are killed and the people know that the one true God is the true living God and then he goes and prays for rain multiple times and his servant sees nothing and then his servant sees a cloud the size of a man's hand and he tells him you know tell Ahab he better run because rain is coming and rain pelts the earth all this has happened and one woman says I'm out to get you. And the man runs like a hundred miles on foot to the desert. And he's under a juniper tree. And honestly, I don't even remember the question that I asked. But I do remember the student that raised his hand and said, you know what's interesting? And I said, what? 
And he said, it just rained like just now. So everything has been dead and everything is dying and everything is puny. And he said, but there's that tree. He's sitting under that beautiful tree. We have a picture of it. Obviously, it's like a flannel graph, but not flannel graph uh, type of situation. They're called flash of cards. They're like really big. And he said, there's that tree, though. The Lord knew he was coming. He knew he was coming to pout in the desert. And there was a tree there waiting for him to shelter him. Me, weeping in the fifth grade. (laughs) Just kidding, I wasn't exactly weeping. But wow. I said, you know, that's exactly right. You know, the Lord loves us when we're at our best. And he loves us when we're at our weakest. And he knows when we're tired. When we need a nap. When we need a snack. He knows that. And not only did he forgive Elijah for failing this test of his faith, he gave him another assignment immediately. He still wanted to use him. He blessed him and provided him what he needed and still wanted to use him. And then by the end of the story, he gives him a friend to teach and train, journey through life with. So he can't complain about being alone anymore. Let's remember today that God is for us, whether we're Ariel or Eric. Let's know that we all have prince and princess potential because we are all his children. Let's go after his will, his way, and the people he puts in our path, no matter what the cost. After all, it's 2020. If I turn into sea foam, I turn into sea foam. Let's all be better. You've been listening to He Said, She Said, the one with books and bros. Hopefully something you've heard made you smile, inspired you to think, or called you nearer to a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for taking time. Thank you for making space. We'll catch you next week. Same time, same place.